Hello, hello, everybody. It's Thursday night. It's time for another LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Lucas James Holmes, who's planted in East Charles State University, uh, jumper down there in Horsham, journalist with the Rumour Mail. Good evening, Louis. Good evening, David. Evening, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, round six of the AFL started way back a week ago, but teams have been released for round seven, and there's plenty um, both on and off the field to get to, David. Right, we're going to do this a little bit differently because we're going to talk about a subject that I think will be quite close to Lucas James Holmes' heart. 95,000 people at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, and I'll say that again for a home and away game, 95,000, the biggest Anzac Day crowd in history. This game's been going a quarter of a century. And Collingwood came from the dead. I, I got home from my own broadcasting and came in to watch Eston going nuts. Drake Stringer kicked an impossible left foot goal. And then all of a sudden, Collingwood turned it around and won by 13, 12, 11, 11, 90 to 77. And Lucas, a couple of things. It was a fantastic football game. But if Nick Dacos isn't the best footballer in, in the game right now, I'll go he. Yeah, but before I get to that, David, not only was it the, has it, what, well, sorry. Excuse me, I'll start again. Not only was it the now largest Anzac Day crowd in history, David, the second previous being the initial Anzac Day game back in 1995, which was 94,825. It was also the second largest home and away crowd in AFL-VFL history with the 95,179 that turned up. Uh, the previous best, David, um, was the sorry, the greatest home and away crowd was Collingwood and Melbourne's clash back in 1958, which had 99,256 people. And that would have been standing room only and so workplace health and safety. Oh my God, put your hands in front of your face. It would have been crammed in like sardines. I've actually been at the SCG, Louis, for a rugby league final in the late 70s where there were 50,000. I was standing on KB cans because I was only 11 and it was just crazy. So I know what it's like. But yes, 95-179 watched an amazing spectacle. Lucas, talk us through the day. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I did, obviously, I was at my own football um, on Anzac Day at Pick and Over in Croydon Park. Um, I know that you would have been glued to your seat. The, 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 usual, the usual service, everything done beautifully, 95,000 people not saying a word. Talk us through the afternoon from your perspective as both a journalist and a Collingwood tragic. Yeah, I was actually at work as well, and I actually didn't get home till uh, gone quarter time, but of course had it on in the office um, prior to that. But yes, as they always do, you could hear a pin drop, David. They do it so well at the football, at the AFL, excuse me, with Anzac Day, as I spoke about there. You look back to 1995 and the work that Kevin Sheedy and the like put into this concept, and it's gone from strength to strength throughout time, which is great to see. But you said there, the afternoon pre-game was all done well, much like Monday night as well in the Melbourne and Richmond game that we'll get to shortly. But Essendon were great out of the blocks, David. Yep. What, they did, what they did extremely well, and it's a credit to Mason Redmond. It's a credit to Andrew McGrath, particularly as well. They slowed Collingwood, Collingwood's ball movement down, David. We all know how like they had like the rubber band out of the back half, forward handball, run and carry with those handballs, and then go through the corridor. But um, through Essendon's uh, attack in their midfield, they squeezed up, they nullified all the space. And with Collingwood's lack of tools, David, what they did was actually quite smart and quite obvious smart but obvious as well as they they make Collingwood go long down the line to a contest and when you have Andrew Phillips you have Sam Draper um, down the line in a contest against someone like a Billy Frampton who's quite tall but he's not a he's not a first choice ruck or an Ash Johnson who's an athletic forward but again he's under that he's not a he's not your key forward um, type they got outnumbered there they had the um, they were dominant in the ruck as well Essendon but couldn't um, make it make it pay going forward. And that's where really where Collingwood took advantage, particularly in that last quarter, David, coming from 28 points down. Their stoppage work was superb. That They had an absurd number of uh, inside 50 entries in that last term. And as we've seen over this last year, year and a bit now under Craig McRae, when the, when the Collingwood Football Club get on a roll, David, and it's, um, it's um, pretty eye-catching. And to back that up in terms of stats, Collingwood have won nine of the last 12 when they've trailed at three-quarter time. So we see how it does with numbers there. And speaking of numbers, David, it's pretty formidable. You look at it there, Nick Dacos, 40 disposals, 
two goals, two tackles and two clearances. Still side bottom, David um, burst out of that contest and kicked a, kicked a goal to really get them going late in that last quarter. 30 disposals yep. a goal, five tackles and three clearances. And I spoke about Essen and David. For me, they're two better players. Darcy Parrish had a little bit of a slow start, but he racked up disposals. And I think he had 50-plus and 40-plus in the last two Anzac Day games. He had 27, five tackles and nine clearances. And uh, Mason Redmond, David, spoke about him a bit early to 23 disposals, two tackles, four marks, along with his 11 intercept possessions. Um, I watched, uh, I saw Jack Crisp got a beautiful handball out of an enormous crowd to hit side bottom to fit, hit that that goal right at the death. And I thought Crisp was pretty solid as well. Um, look, just a superb performance. Um, one of my dear friends from school, Joe. Uh, who I met message every Anzac Day, Lucas, because uh, she served as an officer in the Australian Navy. And she said, oh, I don't think Collingwood's going to win today. And I said, oh, you know what, I've tipped him. Um, and she said, why? And I just said, too much composure at the death. And they're used to this now and they know what they're doing. And all of a sudden they win. I, I, I thought they were shot, to be honest. I thought they were gone. Um, Eston will be ruining that, but they certainly have played very good football and they're a completely different football side under Brad Scott. Whether they make the top half of the out, I don't know, but I think they'll get in there. I think there's a few sides we can write off, which I'll do in a few minutes from the eight, even now. But what a game of football, a magnificent crowd. I know that our mate Jimmy Newburn was there. He went and saw four games on the weekend, uh, Melbourne, Richmond, Essendon, Collingwood, Sydney and Geelong, which I don't think James <laughs> would have been very pleased with. And uh, Cartland's had killed us. So back to the scores, Western Bulldogs, 17-16, Pogo from Antle, 10-9. And that game was in Perth. Port Adelaide 16-13, West Coast 10-9, and West Coast actually did better than I thought. Brisbane 16-12. The Giants have been okay this year. They're not going to make the eight, but they were solid. 13-9, the Giants. Stephen Canillo is starting to play some really good football for the Giants, although Cal Ward's been suspended. This is the result that I think's made everybody stand up and notice. Geelong 20 goals down 130. Sydney 5-7-37. Oh, my goodness, that is a shellacking. Adelaide with a very late goal. We're extremely lucky to beat uh, Hawthorne. Interestingly, York Park in Launceston, we're going to be talking about that shortly. Uh, beat them by three points, 79-76. St Kilda shut down Carlton in the second half, 12-10 over Carlton, 8-12. St Kilda's defence, again, superb. The Suns are solid enough, win 14-13 over, over North Melbourne, 7-12, and Stuart Hughes safe for another week. Melbourne, 15-6, magnificent shooting from 21 scoring shots. Richmond, 11-12 from 23. And then, as we've discussed, Collingwood over Essendon. Lucas, I'll go this far right now. The following sides cannot make the eight right now. Fremantle, West Coast, GWS, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, North Melbourne. I reckon that the other sides are battling for the other eight spots. Your thoughts on that statement? Yeah, I think that's um, pretty accurate at this stage, David. Um, unfortunately for the Giants, they succumbed to two pretty big injuries on the weekend with Adam Kennedy, who will now miss the rest of the season with an ACL, ACL injury. And just as Phil Davis is starting to get back into the frame, David, they've lost their, their key defender that's been the linchpin in the last yes. 12 months or so. Sam Taylor's gone down um, with a pretty substantial uh, hamstring injury and they look, looks like he'll miss the next 10 to 12 weeks. So that's unfortunate for the Giants, who are... You said they're vastly competitive against the Brisbane side where Charlie Cameron kicked another bag of seven goals, mind you. So uh, Charlie Cameron's doing some great things up there at Brisbane. But I think that I think that's pretty accurate of, of whilst we're talking about injuries too. Took Miller going down with that lateral meniscus tear in his left knee. He'll miss it's TBC on the injury report there for the Gold Coast at the moment. So he'll miss substantial time. That'll rule him out that'll rule him out of Brownlow and contention, unfortunately, yep. for you as well. But just it's as awesome. Jared Wicks has come back the last couple of weeks, um, they lose their, their one of their better players, if not their best player. And I, for me, and it's an interesting take, I know, potentially, but I would argue that Jared Wicks is the Gold Coast's most important player, but Took Miller's uh, probably their best. So I reckon their Gold three best players are Wicks, Raul and Miller. Yeah, I could, I could go with that. Ben King's probably been a little bit too injured for their liking the last couple of years. Um, Alex Sexton's up there as well. Um, and Lockie Weller, again, he's been injured. But at, 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 when they're right on form and in peak condition, I couldn't argue with that either. Sydney were terrible. 
against Geelong, flat out terrible. And Geelong, all of a sudden, the weight, the sleeping giant has come awake. Admittedly, they had two easy games, but then they played the Swans. And from memory, I think a lot of people picked the Swans, but that's terrible. Holy cow, that's a that's a big win. 93 points, if you don't mind. Again, it makes such a difference. They are almost unbeatable at Cadinia Park. Almost. Yeah. There's not many sides that'll beat them there. Yeah, it's a it's a big win, David. And they played extremely well. I was actually working that evening and didn't get home till late, being a Saturday night. But when you look at Sydney, Sydney's outfit at the moment, you look who they've got out. Yes, both McCartan boys are out. So you keep your two key defenders weren't there. Did Franklin play? I'm not too sure. Rampy definitely didn't. Um, and one of their key rucks is out as well. I think Laddam's played and I um, can't recall the other ruck off the top of my head at the moment, which will come to me shortly. But I, well, Mill, Mill's played on Hawkins. Yeah. That's crazy. That It shows where they're at. To be it, that's a fair point. And I reckon the Giants are a chance this weekend. I genuinely do. Yeah, well, Lucas, I'm getting, I'm getting the dirty look. I'm getting the filthy look through Zoom here. With with, with Taylor, with Taylor, I think Taylor's Ward, the big loss that Ward. Ward as well. But yeah, fair I enough. Think. Fair enough. That's that's okay. Uh, Port did the business. Brisbane did the business. Uh, Fremantle's got problems, big problems. They they cannot afford to lose in Perth, and they've done it twice. Port Adelaide lucky, but they continue to win. That's where they're a bit different. And Jordan Dawson, certainly, Lucas, at the moment, in the top 10 of the league. Um, St Kilda, very solid. Ross, There's some terrific articles about how good Ross Lyon is as a coach and what he's been able to achieve so far. Uh, and Melbourne did the business against Richmond, a, a very good win there for the Ds, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, it was interesting now with that one, David, just quickly. And before I go into that, Tom Hickey was the name I was trying to stumble across. Yes. So apologies there. But... Richmond were, were well into it. They're up to their eyeballs in it, David, until that last quarter. Melbourne yep. just um, swung home late. Um, they won. And it's interesting, too, you look at Mel, your Melbourne. I dug de- down deep into this one a little bit. Melbourne are the only team in the competition to win all, uh, all six final quarters across their first six matches. And they've done so with a plus 117-point differential, David. And... That goes to show you that they've got their fitness right, doesn't it, Lucas, as well as a lot of other things in line. And it doesn't hurt that they've got some elite cattle. They really that there's a possibility they've got four of the top twelve players in the league. To be honest with you, uh, that makes an enormous difference. So that was the round of football uh, finished off by a simply magnificent occasion, Collingwood and It was just it was very very special to watch. And you we are blessed in our game. I know there's a lot of people in around the world, particularly in leagues like the European Cup and the and the NFL, that go and say, "Gee, they can get ninety five thousand at home in a away game." It's um, it's pretty special. Lucas has already spoken about Tuuk Miller. Louis, talk us through some pretty significant injuries over the weekend. The, the first one after Tuuk Miller is Luke Shuey. Yeah, uh, just what West Coast don't want to hear, David. Um, adding to their further list of injury rows, which I've spoken about at length the last couple of weeks. Um, Luke Shuey uh, going down, unfortunately, for West Coast uh, with an ankle slash hamstring injury. David, one of their more experienced players and a Norm Smith medal winner, uh, much to my chagrin, but I'll bypass that quite quickly. He'll miss the next four to five weeks, uh, as I said there, with an ankle uh, slash hamstring injury, which they've got listed on the injury report on afl.com.au at the moment. We've already spoken about Taylor and Kennedy from the Giants. Kennedy, uh, ACL. Taylor, a very bad hamstring. That must be almost torn off. That must be a Lee Perry, Nick Revolt type hamstring injury, which is not what you need. And to be quite frank, if the Giants are playing long ball with Taylor, he should be put in mothballs until 2024. If you're thinking he's going to be right for round 22, round 20, round 21, to be honest, maybe round 19, why bother? Yeah, what's the what exactly? What's if the, the Giants go, if the Giants going to run and win seven in a row and come back and they're right in the finals, yeah, right out, fair enough. And the final injury you've got listed there is Georgiades, Louis. Uh, yeah, it is unfortunately um, for Port Adelaide. Georgiades, it was interesting. He's been playing mostly sand form this first part of the season, but unfortunately for Port fans, Georgiades won't uh, play any further part in the 2023 season. David uh, ruptured his ACL unfortunately, and he'll miss the remainder of the 2023 and potentially the early part of the 2024 AFL season. 
Yes, they've seemed to have gone away, Lucas, when you used to when you first started really getting into football. Um, Nick Malcheski had what was called Lars surgery on his on his knee after an ACL because he was a veteran player and came back in 12 weeks and was okay. Oh. Um, they seem to have moved away from that. And every time you hear about ACL at the moment, it's 12 months. Uh, I haven't heard too much about that last surgery of, of late. Yeah, you, so, you see a little bit, David, anywhere from that sort of depending on the the athlete themselves and how they can recover anything from sort of that nine, 10 month onward is, pr- is probably a minimum at this stage with that sort of injury. Yes, and even in the NFL where they've got multi-million dollar medicos and whatever, I'm not saying the AFL is bad, but even those plays tend to come back 9, 10, 11 months, and that, that's with work every day. This Tasmania AFL side has had some fascinating press in the last couple of days. There was a terrific snippet on my Facebook feed this morning of Eddie Maguire talking with the panel on footy. I think that's called Footy Classified, that show. Is that right? Correct, yep. Yeah, yep. Um, with Damian Barrett. Matthew Lloyd and Jimmy Bartell talking about the, the funding announcement for the Tasmania Stadium with the federal Labor government coming in. And Ed made a good point. They had a whole snapshot of how much stadiums cost. And they never, ever cost what people say they're going to cost. Um, the Perth Stadium, which is, as you know, world-class, Lucas, it's a place I'd love to go, ended up being over $2 billion. And it hasn't even got a roof. Now, the, the stadium that they want to build in the, on right down on the wharves of Hobart, right down in the water, um, you know, they're talking 750 for a dome stadium. At Ed's point, and the fact that the finances came at the back to back this up, is that there's not there's evidence that it would cost at least 1.25 to 1.5, not 750. That's why I'm really worried about this ground ever being built, because I, I know that there are a lot of politicians in Tasmania, both federal and state, who don't want this stadium built. They think they should build hospitals and schools and look after people. Um, Lucas, over to you on this one, and then we'll talk about James Sisley making some very interesting remarks in, about Tasmania as well. But the Tassie Stadium first, Louis? Yeah, and there was a I was reading an ABC article, David, the last couple of days that uh, pointed at some things as well, which you were speaking of, and the, and the stadium in question, as we've spoken about, at length on occasion is a, a 23,000 seat stadium, David, with a roof, um, which is important in, the, in that part of the world, particularly around this time of the year where it gets bitterly cold and can get uh, quite wet as well. And that's, of course, on the back of, which is yet to be formally announced, but they're potentially expecting that announcement to come on the weekend, particularly Sunday, David, is a $240 million uh, commi- uh, commitment, excuse me, from the federal government. Um, which at the estimated cost of the stadium, David, as you alluded to there, is $715 million. And uh, backing up your point before too, I've got a list in front of me here of some of, the, of, some of the more recent stadiums to be uh, both redeveloped, redeveloped and rebuilt, not only in Australia, David, but a couple around the world. And uh, when we speak around the world, I'll look at the United States here very quickly. But this list I've got in front of me here, the cost of recent stadium uh, developments, Optus Stadium, David, $1.8 billion. This, for the moment, is in Australian dollars. Uh, the Sydney Football Stadium, the knockdown rebuild there, $828 million. Uh, the redevelopment of the Adelaide Oval, which I believe was in time for what was it, the 2013-14 Ashes Series, David, $526.5 million. Uh, the Penrith, Sta- uh, Penrith Stadium uh, for the Penrith Panthers and the National Rugby League, David, that redevelopment, $300 million. And also don't the think combat. that's ever going to be built. I don't yeah. think Chris Minns will allow that. We've had a change of government in New South Wales. Please go ahead. Yeah, and the uh, Combank, Combank Stadium, David, uh, formerly Bankwest, a knockdown rebuild, $300 million. And just to put that slightly in perspective, David, uh, these are NFL and one MLS stadium in the US. I know where you're going with this. You're going to so you're going to SoFi and the and the, and the SoFi in LA and the and the magnificent Death Star in Vegas. Please talk to us. This is relevant. SoFi is not just a stadium; it's a it's a whole suburb basically. Go ahead. In in Inglewood, California, David SoFi home uh, built by the LA Rams, but also housed the. Uh, LA Chargers in the uh, AFC West, 5.5 billion US uh, dollars now, not Australian dollars. Uh, an Allegiant Stadium of the uh, of of my of my team's rivals, David. The uh, now the Las Vegas Raiders, 1.9 billion US 
and the Mercedes-Benz Stadium oh. in, uh, Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, David, home of both the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta uh, MLS franchise, $1.5 billion. Sorry, uh, that, yeah, that, 1.5 billion US, excuse me. And, and one of the, there's a key, everybody who's listening, there's a key thread there. Those stadiums are universally regarded as superb. The Sydney Football Stadium is quite magnificent. Optus Stadium in Perth held the last AFL Grand Final. It's magnificent. Uh, sorry, it, it it held an AFL Grand Final. All right, it's magn in twenty one. Is that right? Yep, twenty one. Okay, Melbourne and Footscray. Yep. Uh, Combank Stadium in Sydney, magnificent. All right, they're all superb arenas. SoFi's out of this world. Our dear friend Sam Zickman, the Chiefs, been there. And remember that precinct's getting the new home of the Clippers as well. They're building the Inuit Dome in the same precinct at the southern end of that precinct. And Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas is enough reason to go to Vegas alone. Yet all the other things in Vegas, that thing's quite unreal. But the problem is here is that it costs so much money to build world-class stadia. And remember, Los Angeles has nominally 15 million people. Tasmania isn't the same size as Brisbane, right? And my issue with the, all of this is if as an AFL a casual employee, yep, I'm, an, I'm allowed to have an opinion. I've got to be careful what I say. I just worry about the money. If they get a side in, fantastic. I honestly still think that there's a chance someone's going to get it relocated down there. But you've got to go. You, you, and I know we've had this discussion, Lucas, but there are a couple of clubs that are right to, to be moved. There is, David. And also a, a further point to the stadiums, and it's probably not, well, it's not relevant to the Australian market because ba barely any of the Australian teams, David, are privately owned. When you look at all the European teams, you look at all the um, American sports franchises, they're all privately owned. They're all privately run. So that's where they can drum up this amount of money for the stadiums as well. Whereas speaking about early before, there's state, there's federal, there's federal funding and there's some grants in there as well. Absolutely there is. But again, Hobart's not a very big place. Tasmania's not a very big place. Launceston's the same size as Maitland. Long, Launceston, Launceston's not as big as Ballarat or Bendigo, to put it in perspective. It's nowhere near them. And you, that, that's why they won't have a side there. It's got to be in Hobart. The problem I have is, is and we'll, we've got to move on to other things, I just have serious issues and there's no way that it'll be built for 715 with a roof. Forget it. It just won't happen. James Sisley made some interesting comments, Luke. <laughs> he did. Some um, of them, might, they might be accurate, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think anybody's accused James Sisley of being a liar. No, I don't think they would have, David. And I'll I'll round it off shortly. But yes, to the point. Firstly, um, James Sicily has come out and since uh, I would have thought extremely quickly, uh, a directive of the club apologised, saying that um, that him himself wouldn't move to Tasmania, and something along the lines of there's not much to do there. And of course, when you dig into this a little bit deeper, David, uh, the Hawthorne Football Club, in which Sicily is the captain of, are sponsored by the state government of Tasmania. So there you go. So when you look at it before digging deep and, and then realising why it was such a silly uh, comment to make, that people people in the media go out on a limb, people in the general public can say that um, athletes don't speak their mind enough. Yes, they're all media trained, but they shouldn't have their own opinions. And just as... In this scenario, someone's had their own opinion, which we look at it again and say it's probably not the smartest move because the, the, the subject they're speaking of is a direct sponsor of the football club. But then again, if they weren't and someone came out and said something like this, which Sicily has and was, um, more, has been crucified for it, and then you go back to the, uh, the start of the never-ending circle and say that why don't people and athletes have... Um, can say whatever they want and things like this pop up. And that's where I'll leave it with that for me. That's my opinion of it. Look, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, I would imagine if you live in Melbourne, a night out in Launceston might, might, mightn't be the same. 
Can I just add that James Sicily and a stack of other players went and played one of Australia. They stayed overnight and went to one of Australia's best golf courses, Bunbergle, the next day. And Bunbergle's quite magnificent. Like it's one of the best golf courses in, in the Southern Hemisphere. It's absolutely superb. So there are things to do. Um, I often talk about on here conflict of interest. Maybe I overdo it, to be honest. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. I can see someone coming from a different club like, oh, who cares where it's from? Say the Swans go down there. Um, maybe you, know, you remember a couple of years ago, the Swans and the Giants had an amazing yep. final down at York Park. Toby yep. Green might have got in a bit of trouble that day. If one of them goes and says, you know, it's not a real, not a real great place, well, that's maybe their call, but not when you're sponsored by them. It's it's the conflict of interest and the and the lack of the lack of understanding what to say. Um, yeah, there is a very fine line, and I the one thing that comes out of it is that James Sisley might have been unwise but I don't think people will accuse him of being a liar, okay? Not of being a liar. And again, as I said, Launceston is the second biggest city in Tasmania, and it's not a big place. It's not a big place. It, the, the, probably the best thing to come out of Launceston is Ricky Ponting, to be honest, and the fact that it's the gateway to the beautiful northern Tasmania. Everything's within reach there. Well, this is interesting. The next point that Louis got on his agenda, I did read about this again today, doing my homework for tonight. Lucas likes me to do a bit of homework rather than being a gibber. Andrew Dillon's firming to be the next CEO of the AFL. In fact, I think the announcement's imminent. Uh, uh, obviously, I haven't read on this too much. I, I always thought that Brendan Gale would have a shoe in, but Andrew Dillon appears to be almost over the line, Lucas, and they're going to lump him with Tasmania first up. Yeah, and this was reported by uh, uh, AFL journalist Sam McClure. David, um, as well, well-respected, sort of, sort of among that sort of new breed of sort of younger journalists, um, does quite a good job as Sam McClure, and he's the one that's um, come out with this uh, Andrew Dillon announcement. Again, not official, just reporting. I uh, like digging, digging through some of these things you all may be aware of, but it's been, it's been a long process, hasn't it, for Gil yes. McLaughlin with the, t- with the handover. Announced initially it was going to be the end of 2022, then was pushed back to gather around David and now has been pushed back a little bit further as well. And yes, it's a long process, um, but it's been a little bit muddy. Um, of course, with these, with the Tasma- with the Tasmania deal and things like that, um, it's probably just complicated and pushed it out a little bit further. But it looks like uh, Andrew Dillon could well and truly be the next CEO of the Australian Football League. Um, Dillon, has just a little bit of background on Andrew Dillon very quickly. Um, he acted as the executive general manager of football operations from July 2021 and was formally appointed to the role in addition to some other duties that he's held in September last year. But he hasn't been with the AFL for just that time, David. He's been around for all, almost, if not a decade. So some, um, some very, uh, he's had some history with the game. And as you said there, some of the other favourites of these last couple of months um, Western Bulldogs president and Disney executive Kylie Watson Wheeler, uh, CFO of the of the AFL, Travis Auld and Dylan were sort of the uh, leading candidates these last couple of months. You spoke about Gail. We had a quite a decent conversation a couple of months ago. Now would have been the back end of last year on Brendan Gail, which would have tied in as well with his Tasmanian history. So um, from what I recall, we both thought at that time that Gail was probably the obvious choice, but almost a credit to the AFL. They've taken their time. Yes, the McLaughlin, um, the exit may be a little bit muddy just in terms of time, but with all these big decisions, you've got to take your time. You've got to scope out all, all the scenarios. And from what all we're aware, the AFL have done this in the last year or so now. Uh, yeah, a couple of things there. Um, he's a solicitor. He's yep. been the general counsel. That doesn't hurt. And given the way the world is, Lucas there would have been an enormous amount of back-channel checking to make sure that this bloke stands up. Yeah. That this bloke doesn't... That, that, that this man has is a good human being, a decent person, you know, and manages him. You'll, you'll be aware of a couple of senior staff the AFL that had to leave that are now in positions at other football clubs because they were doing the wrong thing with uh, uh, underlings and employees, and consensually, I might add, but... Um, that now these days is an absolute no-no in this country. 
and uh, you just can't go out with underlings. You just can't. It's the way the, the way the world is. And I would suggest you there has been. Ext- I don't care how long they take. The Victorian press can get stuffed. I don't care how long they take. They've got to get it right. Okay, that's that's all I ask is that they get it right. Okay, and the man, you know, he's he's got an enormous role to come into. I I wish him luck. If he's the chosen man, good luck to him. Because yeah, I think Gillam, I think Gillam McLaughlin's done a pretty good job myself, and despite yeah. despite certain female journalists not like him. And when you look at it too, David, there's only been what Demetro was the previous pre. Yeah. Sorry, McLaughlin was the predecessor to Demetro, and that was at the end of 2013 or 2014. So it's not like they change every two or three years. They have an impact. Gillan's over, overseen in what was ultimately, but the right call, the sort of rush, the rush commencement of the AFLW came in a year or two quicker than they thought. But look how well it's done, and look how well it's continually will continually do not only at an AFL level but also a state and community level. And he's not responsible for the um, uh, for the induction of GWS and Gold Coast into the competition, and that remains a topical issue, based more on the fan, on the lines of a, a players don't want to stay there, and b the crowds have been less than flattering. And if you go and have a look at how many terrific Giants and Gold Coast players are now playing great football with other clubs. And Lucas's club is one perfect example that there's been a fistful of Collingwood players who are ex-Giants who can seriously play. Hoskin Elliott, whilst we're on the topic, Hoskin Elliott, Trelaw was one. Adam's, Adam's another. Frost, Frost. Uh, Sam Frost. Yes. There you go. Uh, Bobby Hill's now there as well. Yep. Sam Frost was Sam Frost was a giant. And then you look at it now too with Taranto and Hopper and there's potentially talks of um, Harry Himmelberg uh, exiting the club at the end of the year as well. Jeremy Finlayson. Yep. Uh, Josh you, Bruce. Yeah, and you and you look north and you look north to Gold Coast, David. Charlie Dixon, Tom Lynch. Jager O'Mara. O'Meara. Rankin. Yep. Which, which, is the, which is the big one at the moment, considering how well he's playing with Adelaide. Gary Ablett Jr. Yeah. There's just, it's... The women's competition's been done better than the last two sides coming to the AFL, right? Um, and that's why, you know, that you just wonder what's on their mind. I, I I don't think they'll move them, but I just, in the back of your mind, you sort of think, well, could you have a Tasmanian Suns or a Tasmanian Devils part of you just You just don't know. Well, I don't think... The, the, sorry, they have the Devils of, of part of the um, Coates um, Talent League, former NAB Cup, Sorry, not sorry, former talent, NAB Talent League, former TAC Cup. They have a Tasmanian Devils side in that as well. Yeah, I, I would have thought that this side would play in green and would be the Tasmanian Devils or something. Or that they, they can't be the Tasmanian Tigers, of course. And I'm not but trying to be flippant, but the Tas, they'll they'll be playing in green. The Tasmanian Tasmanian Sheffield Shield side plays in green, and their and their one day side plays in green. So uh, Hobart Hurricanes don't, but they're separate franchises, of course. On to round seven before we look at a terrific uh, result for local footy in the in the Sandville Anzac Day fixture between Norwood and North Adelaide. And I'll talk to you about the South Australian National Football website in a minute as well. Okay. On to, you'll wait till you see it, Lucas. Friday night football's a crack up at Docklands, St Kilda hosting Port, Port Adelaide. On Saturday, early game, Brisbane and Freo at the Gabba. And of course, in a reasonably close period of time, the Gabba ain't going to be there no more. It'll be being... Knocked down a rebuilt for the Olympics, which is going to be a fascinating exercise. Afternoon derby on Saturday. The Swans hosting the Giants at the magnificent Sydney Cricket Ground. Interestingly, the SC... Talk about football grounds, Lucas. The SCG needs an upgrade. The O'Reilly and the Churchill stands are in apparently quite significant need of an urgent upgrade because they're quite old now. So that will be interesting to see how they do that. The Western Bulldogs host Hawthorne. That's at Docklands. That's the twilight game. Then the Saturday night games, Melbourne, excuse me, Melbourne and North at the MCG and West Coast and Carlton at Optus Stadium. Then Sunday, early games, Essendon and Geelong. Wow. Early game? Interesting. So that's with a red footy. Twilight at Docklands. So Richmond will not be happy about playing at Docklands because they hate the joint. Richmond hosting Gold Coast. And then the Twilight game is a monster. Adelaide and Collingwood at the Adelaide Oval. Gracious me. 
Louis, tip St Kilda and Port? Uh, St Kilda for me, David. Um, I just think they're, they're, they're getting on with it. I think they've averaged points against either in the high, high 60s or low 70s um, during these first six games of Ross Lyons' reign, David. His second reign, of course, at St Kilda. I just think they have um, the defence, much like Essendon, they're defending first. Um, they're well-structured behind the football. And I just think that might catch Port Adelaide out a little bit. Um, they'll be missing Tom Jonas, who'll be out with suspension, um, David, as well. So one of their key defenders down. That being said, St Kilda, as we spoke about last week, really haven't got that, haven't got that key forward um, with Max King um, not being fit at the moment. But that hasn't really stopped them this first six rounds, has it? No, St Kilda by 24 for mine. I think they're just too good. Brisbane will pogo from Andal in Brisbane. They will beat yep. them by six goals minimum. The Swans agree and the with, Giants. I agree with you there. Sorry. Yep. So battle of the. Sorry, I thought you were letting me move on the next one. My apologies. Swans and the Giants. Battle of the Bridge. This game's at the SCG. Saturday afternoon, 2.10. Red football. Uh, SCG. Weather. Saturday afternoon. Just a, for note for everybody. Awful. Four to 20 mils in Sydney on Sunday. And of course, that's the one game this year we're under a bloody tent. We'll be under a tent at Gore Hill, if you don't mind. But um, Swans and Giants. I am going to go. With an upset, I think the Giants have been okay of late. I think they've suffered with injuries. So have the Sydney. Sydney will be angry. I think this could be a cracking game. I'm going to pick the Giants by seven points. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting one. I've got those teams in front of me now as well. I'll refer to those real quick. In for Sydney, being the home side first. Tom McCartan in. Lance Franklin back in. Angus Sheldrick um, comes back in as well. Out go Justin McInerney, who's been admitted, which is um, an interesting one for me, considering he's been one of their better players the last... Uh, 12, 12 months or so, Robbie Fox out with a concussion, uh, Matt Roberts out with a knee, and Will Gould uh, out as a sub. And you spoke, we spoke about Tom Green last week out with a suspension for the Greater Western Sydney Giants. He comes back in. Callum Brown, not the one uh, that I would associate with, he comes back in as well. He's been with the Giants for a, a period of time. And Toby Bedford, who crossed from Melbourne uh, in the off-season, comes back in. Rouston out. We spoke about Ward earlier with suspension, and then the two injured players in Taylor and Kennedy out with injuries as well. I'll um I'll oppose you on this one, David. I just think Sydney, particularly with Sam Taylor, he's the big out for me. Kennedy's important, but Taylor, that key defending linchpin, they don't really have one with Taylor and Davis not there. I just think, particularly with Franklin coming back in, he he attracts that key defender, and they don't really have one at the moment. So Sydney for me, it'll be tight though. All Local derbies are like that. I think Sydney, although, will have them by about three or four goals. I think the Western Bulldogs in the form they're in will beat Hawthorne comfortably at Docklands. Hawthorne were not terrible at all last week in Tasmania. They nearly beat Adelaide. In fact, probably should have won. But the Dogs, for me, 20 to 25 points, something like that. Yeah, particularly, David, with them. Western Bullocks, Bailey Smith comes back in. But Toby McLean out. He's admitted. Tom Libertore misses with concussion. But uh, Hawthorne will be buoyed for some big ins too, David. Will Day comes back in after suspension from Easter Monday. But that big in, David, Keith Ford, Mitch Lewis, he's missed um, all of the season so far with separate knee injuries. Injured it uh, late last season and then had a setback in January, David. Injured his ace, he injured one of his ligaments there in his knee. Um, so he's missed a period of time, but he comes back in. But that being said, I just think the Western Bulldogs have had too much firepower, particularly... We, we, we've spoken about it at length over the period of time now. At, at, at Docklands, David, under the roof there, they'll be too strong for Hawthorne. Melbourne will give North Melbourne a nice old touch-up. They're at a different ends of the spectrum at the moment. Melbourne by 40 points plus. Yeah, it'll be interesting too, David. One thing we failed to uh, touch on coming into last week, and initially it was uh, Todd Goldstein played his 300th game last week for North Melbourne, one of the better uh, rucks in this current uh, generation for me. Um, Max Gorn up there, going back a little bit further. Dean Cox, Aaron Sanderlands, he for me is right up there in that group of five or six. He played his 300th last week, but looking at this week, uh, Melbourne, Josh Shackey comes back in from one of his first games of the season. Haven't seen much of him. He's another one that he's another one that left. In fact, it wasn't the Gold Coast; it was Brisbane. Excuse me. Right. Um, ha- uh, Harrison Petty played forward last week. He's out with concussion. Uh, Laurie's out as well as the sub from last week. And you look at North Melbourne, Jai Simpkin comes back in uh, after an uh, arm and wrist injury. Callum Coleman-Jones, the former Tiger, comes back in. 
the and looking at outs there, the former Greater Western Victoria Rebel Dar, uh, Darcy Tucker is out. He's been admitted. Phillips out admitted as well, and former Hawk Daniel Howe all out with a mission as well. So that all being said, Melbourne will be too strong. I don't think there'll be uh, too much fight in this one. And just of those players you listed, the yep. best pure ruckman of all of them was Aaron Sanderlands, but the best footballer of those that you've just listed for me is Dean Cox. Dean Cox, yeah. As a footballer, I'm saying. Yeah, no, was, I agree. He, yeah, and Sandlins was just out ridiculous as a ruckman. And I still to this day think Fremantle should have won a flag when they had Mundy, Fife, Sandlins, Pavlich. There was a fistful of them. There's a Ballantyne. Yep. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe the back end of Hazelby's career. But there's just a fist. When Sandlins was in his very, before he got plantar fasciitis, they played in one grand final and got beaten. But I think that they underwhelmed. Born in 2014, I believe. That's right. Yeah. And um, uh, Matt DeBoer was over there. We were speaking about Taggers last week. He yeah. was sort of in a, more in the prime of his career as well. Ryan Crowley. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Taggers. Talking yep. about Taggers. No, no. Got to talk about these things. It's our body. West Coast and Carlton. Uh, West Coast will have a go and Carlton will get him in the second half. Interesting article today that uh, St Kilda decided that they were going to shut down Patrick Cripps. They, they figured that if you shut down Cripps, you can shut down Carlton and they did. And there's evidence there of that. The others need to step her up around. Cripps can't be the best on ground every week, but Carlton, will win, that, Carlton will win that comfortably. They will. They get some cavalry back as well, Kemp in, but there's two big, big ins. David Saad had a calf complaint. We spoke about that last week. He comes back. But really the heart and soul for me of the Carlton Football Club, Sam Doherty comes back in. So that's big. He can play a variety of roles across the ground. So he comes back in. Matt Kennedy admitted. Uh, Jesse Motlock out with suspension. Lockie Cowan, uh, key defender managed. And Lockie O'Brien out as a sub as well. And I spoke about West Coast. Shuey out with that uh, ankle hamstring injury. Uh, True admitted. And Bazo as a sub last week out as well in that uh, final game of the Saturday slew of games. This first game on Sunday should have 75,000 people, though. This will be a great game. Essendon and Geelong, and, of course, Essendon coming off a short break. Who do you pick? Geelong's heavy favourites. Um, I'm picking Geelong because they've got a longer break. Yeah. I'm not – the break comes into it too, but on paper, I'll go Geelong. Um, Cam, uh, Cam Guthrie's a big out, David, for Geelong with a toe, but, of course, he's been – Slightly extended squads at the moment, being this uh, early Sunday game. Segler in, Parfit in, Tanner Bruin in, and Jed Buse. Um, Bruin's another one who's who's left an expansion club as well in the last little while. But when you look at, at great, get some big ins, David. Zach Merrick returns from suspension. Hine back in. Jones, um, Massimo D'Ambrosio back in. Anthony McDonald took him as well on his return as uh, this season of the ball, which is great. When you look at their outs, Jaden Laverty was one of the better players on Anzac Day, David, until he got subbed out with a shoulder injury. But they're also managing Dyson Heppel. So not sure, I suppose, at this time of year, all players have some niggles, but something might be slightly more serious there than we may suspect, particularly in a game of this calibre against the running Premier, David. I'll go Geelong, even though it's at the MCG. I think they'll be still be too good for that, about that two and a half to three goal margin. Normally, I'd see Richmond easily over the Gold Coast, but Richmond have been very underwhelming. Gold Coast aren't great. Uh, the only reason I'll tip Richmond and I'll tip them by 10 points is because it's being played in Melbourne, albeit at a ground they don't like at Docklands, but Richmond by 10 for me. Yeah, I think they might be a little bit stronger than that. I think they might run away with it in the last quarter. I'll go them by about that four or five goal margin. Losing Toot Miller is going to be huge for... Gold yep. Coast, unfortunately, but they'll get some. They'll get Alex Davies back. Rory Atkins, the former Crow, comes back. Joel Jeffrey, O'Day, and Alex Sexton. So there's some big ins there. Levi Casbold, unfortunately, has been rested for this game. But you look at Richmond, Ivan Soldo in, Broad in, Jack Ross, Jacob Bauer, and Tyler Sonsi. So there's some height there in Soldo and Sonsi. Um, Real, Morris Rioli out with a hamstring. So too, Dion Presti has managed. But that being said, Richmond, yes, it's a... Docklands under the roof, but I still think they'll be a little bit too strong in the big moments again, like they have been the last three or four years. Dion Prestia, another ex-Gold Coast son. And Adelaide and Collingwood to finish off. What a game of football this is. Um, it's Sunday afternoon, 4.40 Adelaide Oval. 
Uh, wow. Um, I tipped them last week. I was quite confident um, they got home, despite the fact that it's in Adelaide. I thought Adelaide were poor against Hawthorne, but one, Tyler Walker's been will cause Hawth- uh, Collingwood a lot of issues. I think Collingwood by 12. Yeah. In Adelaide, unfortunately, may not get there for this one, but regardless, it's going to be a big game. And again, for me, the main point of last week, I spoke about when we saw Merritt and Adams go down with suspension, David, I spoke about those two sort of close to cancel each other out. But for me, the big loss for Collingwood last week was Nathan Murphy, sort of that third defender. Now, Frampton, you'd expect, may play a bit more full-time in the defense, in the defensive line. That frees up more and Nathan Murphy to play that third person over the top, the spoiling or the intercept marker. I think that could ultimately come back um, in Collingwood's favour. Adelaide get Cook back, Schoenberg, Matt Crouch and Elliot Himmelberg. Harry's brother, for those wandering at home, and out goes Ned McHenry as a sub from last week. Collingwood have named an extended bench. David Murphy, Adams, um, returns from suspension, and Harvey Harrison as well, the small forward, rewarded from some form at the VFL level. They haven't named any uh, any outs at the moment. Yeah, yes, it's in Adelaide, but I just think with Murphy coming back in, that may free that uh, defensive uh, linchpin in more. He had set, was at 11 or 17 intercept possessions last week, something absurd like that. That'll free him up a little bit, although they'll be tested. Taylor Walker and uh, Darcy Fogarty um, aren't one to laugh at. They'll be solid. Um, there's some talk, too, about Rory Laird with some calf tightness, so he'll be one uh, to watch right until an hour before the game, David, when those final subs and things like that are announced. I'll go Collingwood, David, but I think it's going to be an extremely tight game. And you wonder whether someone will finally take the decision to put some, have a run with play with Nick Dacos. Yeah, the, um, the, the talk there is potentially Ben Keys, David. I've spoke about it the last few few weeks and months. It's a matter of what uh, what what uh, players, sort of teams like that, have sort of the pure taggers we've spoken about has come right out of the game. But we saw Ben Keys, and he was my Smokey for the Brownlow last season. He racked up possessions. He's been more influential in the forward half this year. Added. Uh, some more goals to his bow, and he's potentially one to keep an eye on for me when that Nick Dacos matchup gets tossed around uh, at about 4.40 here and on the Eastern Seaboard on Sunday afternoon. Some terrific news from Anzac Day in the Sandfall, Norwood, and um, and I've got a message in the last couple of minutes, Lucas, just literally come in from a dear friend of ours. But um, Noah Castellini had a big day up for North Adelaide in the Anzac Day fixture against Norwood, and kicking six and winning the... Uh, the medal called the Bob Quinn medalist. And there's a great photo of Noah Castellini with the medal around his neck, kicking six against Norwood. What a great performance, Noah. And I've got some backup information once you make a comment about that. And firstly, before I make a comment, how how cool do those North Adelaide jumpers look, David? They look absolutely superb, um, as most clubs did some around their country with some Anzac remembrance. They Fantastic. look absolutely superb, those North Adelaide jumpers. But yeah, to Casolini, of course, saw him the last couple of years at St. George um, in AFL Sydney. He was, um, won the, was a joint feeling medalist last year as well. So there's some pedigree there. But six goals won in one of the major state leagues in the country is absolutely superb. I played alongside Reed Van Houston as well. We know him fairly well, but... Uh, to Casolini specifically, outstanding performance. Six goals won on Anzac Day, winning the medal for there for the best on ground. In, in a league like that, on a day like that, it's absolutely absolutely superb. And if you go to the Sanford website, go and have a look at when you get a minute, they've actually got the scores the wrong way around on the website. They've got put North Adelaide kicking five goals dead. Like just the way it looks, the, the, the format of the whole thing looks like it's caught in the, the early part of the 2000s. It's not great. Now, this is a late message I've got literally it's, um, eight minutes ago. A knee injury to Mitch Georgiades, alluded to by Lucas Holmes, will enable Port Adelaide to open up the ninth available list vacancy out of this year's mid, mid-season rookie draft with Sandful forward Noah Casalini emerging as a potential option for clubs. Season ending ASL injuries to Georgiades and Greater Western Sydney utility Adam Kennedy over the last fortnight means there are now the list, list vacancies among eight clubs with the Giants, the only team with two free spots. Essen and Freo, Geelong, the Dogs, Hawthorne have all got spots open. And um, so have GWS, Port and Richmond. So Casolini's actually being mentioned in that area, Lucas. Yeah, it's an interesting one too. And I believe that that mid-season draft is the end of May. 
I think it might, it's either the 30, 30th or 31st of May, David, and all clubs around the league have to a day before that um, to clear a list spot um, if they want to take a player in that mid-season draft. We've seen clubs do it. I know Collingwood um, have, have moved someone like Charlie Dean to an in, inactive um, slash long-term injury list, so he won't play the he won't play the, at all in 2023, David, and therefore that's how clubs can open a, a list spot. Or if people decide not to take players in the in the in the in the uh, national draft, David, or the um, preseason supplementary draft, that's also how um, clubs can potentially have open list spots at this time of the year. Great news if if that actually happens. That'd be amazing. We won't go and talk too much about Wimmera and Sydney football, Louis. Where are you this weekend, please? I'm at I'm David. I'm at Matoa Recreation Reserve. The reigning premiers, Minute um, Matoa, take on the Southern Mallee Giants. And there's one key reason behind that, David, both for football and netball. But the reigning Tui medal Tui medalist, which is the uh, uh, AFL, the um, Wimmera Football Netball League's equivalent equivalent of the Feelin Medal, um, David Kieran Delahunty. Um, played 17 years at Minion Toa. He's now the coach for the Southern Mallee Giants and, and he's returning home uh, in, and, in and out of quotes there. So that's going to be a big day. Uh, early top five matchup as well. It will be a, a nice afternoon, a brisk afternoon, David. They're forecasting a top of 15 degrees, although be, albeit being sunny on Saturday afternoon down in this beautiful part of the world. And Lucas Haynes being the fitness for the, that he is has to run around a shower to get wet. So he will wear some wall clothes on. <laughs> and of course, that game, for those of you who are interested, that game's at Matoa, not at Minyip. So that's at their alternate venue. And then our broadcast game this Saturday uh, from uh, what will be a wet Gore Hill Oval is St. George and North Shore in men's and North Shore and Southern Power in women's. And those games are actually split. There's a game in between the two of them that we won't be broadcasting. So the women's game starts around about 11.50. Lucas, was there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight, my friend? Uh, there isn't, David, but that'll be, at least when it's wet, you'll be on the synthetic surface there at Gore Hill. So it'll be interesting to see how the players combat that, actually. It will be. And the interesting thing is, that I don't think it's going to be a problem on Sunday, but it might be on Sunday. There's a lot of rain forecast for Sydney in the back half of the weekend. So a lot of junior footy on Sunday might end up having the, the, the red line through it. We'll just have to wait and see. Enjoy your football this week. Lucas will be keenly watching that Adelaide and Collingwood game not far away from down the road at the Adelaide over that'll be a crap. In fact, Sunday's footy's got three pretty good games, but Eston and Geelong to start off with. Uh, enjoy your football, Louis. Take care. Good luck over there at Matoa. I hope you have a good afternoon down there. Look forward to catching up with you next week. We'll have a bit more of a focus next week on Wimmera footy and Sydney footy when we get a chance. Yeah, looking forward to it, David. Thank you. Best of luck there at Gore Hill and look forward to catching up with you next week. Shall do. On behalf of Lucas James Holmes, this is David Redden. You all take care. Look, enjoy your footy. Great talking football with the guru, as it always is. We look forward to speaking to you next week. On behalf of LJ, this is David. It's bye for now.